Are you ready to learn more about promoting play, defending childhood, empowering caregivers? Save 10% on professional development at explorationsearlylearning.com and support the show with the coupon code OOL. Click the link in the show notes to browse upcoming trainings. Hello, this is Annie Friday. Welcome back to Out of Line. Today I am um, missing my co-host Candace, and I am joined by a special guest, Raquel Knack. Hi, Raquel. Hi, thank you for having me on. You're welcome. Thanks for joining me. I have to sometimes beg people to show up on my podcast. <laughs> Everyone's got a <laughs> podcast these days. Um, Raquel, you're one of my oldest friends in, in Grand Rapids since I moved here six years ago. And I just kind of realized that this morning as I was thinking about where the conversation could take us and things like that. But um, when I moved here, I was pregnant with my second child and I had a two-year-old and I met you through that process of like having little babies and, and meeting things because you're in that world. Will you yeah. um, give a little introduction about who you are, what you do and uh, what your world is? Yes, I'd love to. Um, so I am an independent childbirth educator and lactation consultant. And it is something um, that has always been in my life. Previously, I was in the corporate world and worked at a very um, high stress marketing agency serving clients, um, you know, tied to a desk all the time. But on my off hours, I always volunteered with an international breastfeeding organization called La Leche League. And I've actually been a leader for um, this is actually my 21st year. Wow, congrats. Thank you. Um, and I plan to continue. Um, and it was through hearing the stories, you know, because I was a mom-to-mom peer breastfeeding counselor at that time. And it was through hearing their stories about struggles in their birth that often led to struggles in breastfeeding that I decided to become a childbirth educator. And so everything kind of happened in this perfect circle where um, my position at the marketing agency was like they did a big downsizing. So my position was eliminated and I like, got a really beautiful severance and I got an unemployment after that. And as we were in this huge life change, I looked at my husband and I said, so I think I want to do this thing <laughs> where I just work with ladies and families and I take this passion that I have had for decades at that point. Your volunteer side gig. Right. And I want to make it my full-time professional career. And so it was so amazing because I had signed up for my child birth educator training to happen in May and I got eliminated in April. Oh, wow. It really just um, all happened in this very sequential, easy, I mean, it was an easy transition when I think about it. Like somebody, I realized um, there's this statistic that says that most new businesses or entrepreneurial businesses 
will. Wait, um, sorry, you broke up a little bit. Um, what did the statistics say that, what? Those that begin um, their own business that often within three years, it's no longer like people quit or um, encounter too many difficulties and close up shop. And had I known that, like, <laughs> nobody ever said that to me and I was just like, no, I'm just going to do this thing and it'll go grow gradually. And, you know, so by three years, I was in a good spot and then um, just continued. And I feel so fortunate that I get to do what for a career what my soul is meant to do I call it my soul work Mm. because the like um this is the reason I'm here to help families and to help mothers and I don't think about even how to do it it's just part of who I naturally am so that's what as far as career. I love that. And I have to say, sorry to interrupt for a sec, but I have only known you in that world. And I all I know that you had a past in a different world, but I always forget that because this feels like such the right fit for you. And I can't even imagine you in a corporate setting. (laughs) (laughs) It was, um, I was very efficient. I mean, I think that's part of that entrepreneurial spirit is we're very self-motivated. We can um, set goals for ourselves and achieve them. And so I did draw a lot of things from that marketing world that helped me in my business. So I actually was really grateful for that experience. But I'm so much more... um, like my stress levels and my peace, even with the, um, you know, unknowns in an entrepreneurial state, it's still so much better than being in the corporate world. Mm. I will take all the stress of an entrepreneurial life (laughs) above a corporate world any day. Oh, I love that. And your mom? Yes, I am a mom of three boys. And I honestly, if I were to get pregnant today, I think I would still have another boy. Uh. I don't know. <laughs> ever come to me, but I actually, I have two older boys. Hayden is 26 and Liam is about to be 24. And then um, our surprise love child, Van, who just turned 10 in July. Oh. So I have a wide age, age range. And... Um, Fan is my homeschooled child. I did homeschool the older ones, like through preschool and early kindergarten, um, but then had some life changes with a divorce and um, went into the working world to be able to provide for them. So mm-hmm. um, I was lucky this time that due to all of those um, corporate world changes, and starting my own business that that allowed me to be able to be home to even think about the decision to homeschool. Yeah. I mean, that's so interesting. You mentioned that because that's such a big piece of the question, I think for a lot of families, especially right now, there's, it just seems like there's a growing number of families who's interested in getting away from the school system as it exists today. And I think the access piece, like, how do I do it? Do I have to change and shift into an entrepreneur lifestyle? Um, But it's interesting that that was what allowed you to do that. 
I'm curious when your older kids were in school, did you feel like you were able to, um, I don't know, a term that I hear a lot is like decenter school. Like for me that I had the same problem. Um, you know, my kids have been in, in public school and I, um, needed that. I, I very much needed that for my own career to develop for my own sanity. Now I'm able to homeschool them, unschool them, um, after some changes we made, but I was able to at least step away from the buy-in of everything that came with the system of school. I could decenter, um, you know, I didn't, my kids still don't know that like they ever got grades. They don't know that they had report cards. They don't know, um, that at parent teacher conferences, we talked mostly about those scores and what their learning future trajectory looked like. Like I talked to them mostly about the, um, relational aspects that would come up, which unfortunately were very brief in those conferences, but, um, you know, so, so things like that are ways that I decentered school. I'm curious with your older two, if you naturally did that with the inclination you had to want to homeschool them. Um, well, I was, what I discovered in schooling with the older boys is that, um, so I was kind of a rebel and I never, <laughs> I never went to parent teacher conferences. I went one year and after that year, I absolutely refused to go. What made you not want to go? What was it? Well, how their school system did parent teacher conferences is that they opened up um, the gym and they had all of the teachers at an individual desk. And when that teacher became available, you would go and you would talk to <laughs> about a student. And now run up I, and get the teacher. I was always like in communication with my older boys about what they were learning and what was going on at school. Um, and so I felt like if there was a problem, if they were struggling with something, they would tell me about it. I didn't rely on the teacher to inform me and um, so after I went through that process and I spent less than five minutes with each teacher and there was one teacher <laughs> that really offended me <laughs> because, um, <laughs> she, so my oldest son, Hayden, always has been a, an outside of the box sort of thinker. And she mentioned to me that he was very disruptive in class. And I asked in what way, because <laughs> I never would see him being disruptive. Right. Well, That's such a asked, generic term. <laughs> right. He asks a lot of questions that aren't related to the topic. How dare he be curious? <laughs> right. And so as this conversation was moving forward, um, and she was kind of, I even asked her to give an example and she was able to, which I thought was great. Um, but it became clear to me that he was taking that concept and looking at it from a global perspective, mm. um, or something outside of what she was presenting. So it challenged her thinking mm -hmm. um, and he didn't got his questions answered either. And so I looked at her and I said, I would much rather 
have a child that thinks in a global perspective than one who is just going to accept what he's being told. Mm. I want question. I want him to think creatively and come up with different solutions. Um, both of my older boys made the decision to not attend college. Mm-hmm. Even though academically, like they did beautifully with their grades. I mm-hmm. mean, they all good grades. They always, there were certain classes they did enjoy. Um, but at the end of it, they were like, I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> they stopped. And when um, my older child, Hayden, self-taught, um, he's always had a love of cars and engines. And so he was able to so in order to become a mechanic a licensed mechanic in michigan you just have to take these exams okay in order to achieve that licensure to prove that you have the knowledge he did all of it himself oh wow at age 18 19 something like that he um because he originally was on a college path and he took one semester because he has a huge interest in computers too and so he was going to go for it and he um, spent one semester and he did night classes because he was working and he spent one semester and he's like, mom, I can't do this. I cannot sit at a desk all day because he was mm-hmm. taking class with IT folks who were working during the day. And mm-hmm. so he was interacting with them and talking with them. And he's just like, mom, they're dead inside. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mm. And, and often so the IT guys get like, right. often the IT guys get like shoved in the basement, right? Like there's no, uh, yeah. And so, um, so I always just, I almost didn't participate in school. Mm-hmm. I didn't do any of the like parent teacher conferences. I didn't do PTA. Um, I occasionally would get called into the principal's office to get <laughs> something that had happened with my children um, and was always their advocate mm. with, with different situations. And, and so, um, and sometimes they just, it was part of protocol. They had to do it. They mm-hmm. had to say a conversation with the parent. Mm-hmm. And we would come home and talk about it and figure out a solution within that system framework that we were participating in. So it sounds like, I mean, I think we often focus on the decenter schooling part, but the alternative then, or one alternative to decentering school, the opposite is that you're centering your children. You're centering their lives, their humanity, their interests, their curiosities, their natural inclinations to learn in, in whatever way. Um, I think that has been one of my biggest struggles with school uh, lately. And as a parent is that everything's presented in such a, a one way on like, it's like a one-way street. Like you've got to go this way. And if you try to um, ask a question, that's not on the teacher's lesson plan. And that does screw up a teacher who's trying to manage, you know, 19, maybe 25 other kids. Um, that is really challenging for that teacher, but what is it doing to the kid? And what is it doing to the learning environment? If you're just shutting down those curiosities. 
yeah so yeah um that was part of my after having that experience with the older boys that was part of my decision yes that was my next question to step into homeschooling with Vaughn because part of, I had some good friends that were elementary school teachers. And this was about the time that the common core standards were coming (laughs) into play. Uh And I was talking with them and they were explaining to me that kindergarten now was um, that they had to test students. I'm like, how do you test a five-year-old? Yeah, don't even get me started. And I laugh because every time I hear common core, I just laugh. And, um, you know, and so I was learning about what this even was, that there had to be testing associated with it, that kindergartners were mostly sitting in their seats and having learning, and then they had to be, each teacher would, um, would sit down, sorry, the teachers would sit down with each student and verbally talk to them to be able to determine if they had mastered those skill levels. Mm-hmm. And I knew that I just didn't want that for Ben. I didn't want him to be tied to a desk because I knew even from just what I had observed initially, he needed to move. He was, I think the term is a kinetic learner. Mm-hmm. Or kinesthetic. Um, say it again. Kinesthetic, kinetic, kinesthetic. Yes, mm-hmm. thank you. Um, like where as he's learning, he's got to bounce on a ball or he needs to jump on a trampoline or he has to walk or jump or that's how he takes the information in. And just seeing how much he was moving, I'm like, it it will bring him so much anxiety to have to sit. Not to mention, um, he is what is, I have now learned, is a highly sensitive child. Um, which in my process of learning about that, discovered that that is, so am I. Mm -hmm. Um, And I felt if he were to go into an environment with so many children, that it would, um, it would crush his soul. That's really what I was worried about. I'm like, if there's bullying, if there's meanness, Um, even if he were, because he's very empathic. So if he were to witness another child being hurt, it would be just as if he himself was being hurt. And so I decided, okay, I'm just going to try this. I talked to my husband about it and I explained, so I'm thinking about homeschooling. I'd like to try this for a year, see if we like it, see if we can do it. And at the end of that year, I'll reassess and decide. Well, that first year went so great that we just decided, yes, we'll continue. And initially, I was what I would say kind of in the traditional homeschooling agenda where Mm -hmm. I had subjects I was focusing on and letters, you know, because we were just preschool a lot of it was play-based anyway, but, you know, I had the magnetic alphabet and I had, you know, the little workbooks and things to cut out with scissors and like all these different things. And we just start kind of jumped in. And then as we got, you know, a couple of years into it, 
was when we both started not liking it. Yeah. And how did that that manifest? How did it show up? In math. Yeah. And like in struggles, like were you guys getting angry at each other? Was it affecting your relationship? Yeah, both. (laughs) It was um, because, you know, traditionally, and I'll be honest, I'm still trying to figure out math in a way that makes sense because mm-hmm. as we, when we started moving into um, not so much addition or subtraction, but when we started moving into learning times tables and thinking about con- like m- conventional math and the way that's taught um it wasn't worksheets mm-hmm. were not thing. It didn't matter if it was five problems or if it was 20 problems or he just hated it. Yeah. Um, but as I was seeing him in his everyday world use math, it was astounding to me because there were certain types of math that he was using that I didn't teach him. Like he knows how to do percentages and I have never taught him that. That is something that he saw with his brain. So I have to admit, I remember this is probably like, you know, about the time that we really became close friends and you were starting to step into unschooling and you would talk about it. And homeschooling always intrigued me, um, but scared me also. Like, do I have to put my whole life on hold forever? Um, unschooling was a conundrum to me because the families I saw doing it, I was like, well, they just let their kids do whatever the F they want. And it doesn't always look good. Um, and they weren't teaching like necessarily like socially responsible ways to be part of a community, things like that, that I was like, that's just missing but you were starting to get into unschooling. And I remember you saying one day, we were actually sitting around my kitchen table, having one of our little sessions around coffee. And we were deciding how we were going to save the world next. Um, you, yeah. me and Emeline. And I remember you talking about Vaughn and his very complicated math that he was just learning on his own very naturally. And I have to say, I am totally going to eat crow because I was super skeptical and you left and I was like, no way, (laughs) no way that he's like doing this. And now Peter, who was like an infant at the time, my son um, is now six and he is that kid. Like he's picking up math concepts so much faster than any other like forms of literacy. He's, he writes a little bit, he reads a little bit, but his math brain is exploding right now and he's multiplying and he's, I remember you were talking about fractions, like he's just understanding it from living and through experiences that interest him and engage him. And so I am so sorry. I was ever skeptical. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I honestly, that is part of this unschooling journey that I continue to evolve in. Mm. And if our daily life did not show proof of this continual learning, I don't know if I would believe it myself. Like if I was, if I was me watching our family from the outside, I would be like, how can that work? 
grade. Right. How can a child learn math um, without having this formal instruction? But there's so many different opportunities. I mean, I remember um, how we learned, because one of the things that was so important to me as I started diving deeper into how do I want to lay out my child's education. And it's such a big responsibility, Mm -hmm. I think, versus saying, I'm going to send my child to school. It's, It's a mental acceptance that you're the one that is making the choices, not the teacher's. Nobody else to blame. Right. You are solely responsible. And how do you want that to look? And one of the biggest things for me was I wanted him to have life skills that were going to carry him into young adulthood where he would feel confident. I mean, something as simple as, so how do you um, create a grocery budget and stick to it mm-hmm. and not go over our coupons worth it. If this is 20% off, how much is that? And we, as I started thinking about these are the skills I really want, like these life skills I want him to know. Um, one of the big things that we incorporated was playing games. Like he learned about money through Monopoly, mm-hmm. about change, which like hardly anybody, they just look at the computer I mean, the screen on the cash register, and they give that money back. But if they enter it wrong, they don't know what to do. They don't know how to give change. Well, and that's true for people who've been through school and who haven't. I remember um, my days of working retail, and I was always in honors. You know, I took AP calculus, blah, blah, blah. And the days that, like, our, our cash registers went down and I had to make change, Oh my God, my head hurts so bad. Like it doesn't matter what I've learned before. It's still like counting on your fingers for some right. of us. Yeah. And I wanted him to under I wanted him to have those basic skills. And so we really started it's amazing what you can learn yeah. through games. Yeah. And so we did a lot of game playing and adventuring. And that um, like right now with everything that's happening with the house and how we're like installing new flooring and we have to paint. And so we're starting to learn how do you determine how much materials you need for this square um, space. And so it's always, that's the kind of stuff, like how do you use a measuring tape? And what are all those little tick marks? I still have to use a cheat sheet for that. Like. (laughs) What is a quarter inch? What's three eighths? What's yeah <laughs> tape measure? But that's like I think that to me has been um, kind of one of the most fascinating parts of of the unschooling thing because it's unschooled. But I think so many people assume that there's like a lack of learning or a lack of teaching or lack of. I mean, you're you're still giving your child rich opportunities for learning and really you're just including, it's, it's as simple as including your children in your life, right? Treating them as they are fully human and living alongside you and you're doing the flooring. And so many of us would like send our kid off to go play on a screen in the basement. And I'm sure that happens too, to get out of the way when you're doing something, 
But if you could have him be part of that and, and show that you value his work towards that too, and not like you can trust him in his measurements or you can, you know, do it with him. Um, that's learning. And that's not like something you had to sit down and come up with a curriculum for. Yes. And that was, so one of the things that often happens for a family that is thinking about homeschooling, there's so much literature and there's so many curriculums to choose from. And I remember getting this book that is written specifically for homeschoolers about like what your child needs to know each year. Uh And I started reading through it. And we have the luxury here in Michigan that we have no documentation yeah. that is required for us to homeschool our children, which I am so thankful for. I am too. It is a luxury for sure. Um, but it was seeing all these like, oh, they should learn this in history and this in math and this in social science and this in regular science. And I was in the middle of that book and I closed it. And I'm like, who made that decision? Who is making the decision to that my child has to learn these things? Yep. And when they're behind, um, and guess who it is? Nobody, nobody who has any information about education. It's those aren't right. the, the people making those decisions. And I thought, you know, as I was looking through all of that, um, it did inspire me because I thought, what is it that I want my child to learn about? Mm. And how can I direct that focus? The other question that came to me was, what do I want to learn about? Because I am now at the point as a homeschool mom where if I am not enjoying the process along with him, I just don't want to do it. Yeah, totally. That was, when we got to that point where math was the struggle, what ended up happening is I just said, okay, we're just going to take a break. We're just going to take a break from math. And that's kind of the process that I continually use that if we encounter something and it is so much of a struggle, you know, he might not love everything, but if I'm enjoying it and it's like, no, I really want to learn about this. You know, we try to push forward a little bit and there's some things that he wants to learn about that maybe I don't have a lot of interest in, or it's a struggle for mm-hmm. me. For instance, he wants to learn how to create video games. No, oh, cool. And so we've been researching the software programs, and like we've even gotten as far as we've gotten one downloaded, and we've played around with it a little bit. As far as my interest in that, <laughs> not so much, but. I know it's really like I'm trying to facilitate it and really stretch myself in learning about that so that he can get that need, like his desire to learn about that. Like if we're learning about trees, for me, we can learn about computer software design programs for him. Yeah. Well, and I love that, um, I, you know, Thank you. Thanks for coming and talking about this because I think that alone right there also just says so much about the adultism at play when we talk about like kids, kids can't quit and kids, you know, they've got to get through the struggle and, and we do it all the time as our ourselves as, as grownups and adults in this world, like 
sometimes we quit when we're struggling or we hit pause or we regroup and um, we allow ourselves that space and we don't often allow our children that space. Um, so I love that you shared that. And I'm so appreciative that you are walking this path ahead of me so that when my kids are interested in, in designing video games, I'm going to call you and, and find out what, what you're using um, you. and those kinds of things. And I just, it's just Don't awesome. And it, it means so much. And I think having the wisdom of, of raising two older children and then having an, another one now to make some different choices with um, mm-hmm. is such a beautiful experience. And I'm so grateful for you to come here today and share some of that with us. And I'm going to invite you back again and again, because I just want to hear more and more about your adventures with Vaughn. That would be wonderful. It's time to become a member of Playvolution HQ and Explorations Early Learning. There's a free option and three paid patron level options. All come with free stuff and ongoing automatic training and merch discounts. For as little as a dollar a month, you can become a patron. That supports our work, and you get premium stuff like early access to fresh podcast episodes. Go to explorationsearlylearning.com slash membership or click the link in this episode's description to learn more. All the cool listeners are doing it. This has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Oh.